Today, there's a major quest for intimacy. In our walk through life, we can become desperate for intimacy. Intimacy issues take on many forms and show up in many different ways in our daily lives. While we often associate intimacy with the romantic and sexual connotations, the fact remains, your relationship with intimacy itself plays out in practically every area of your life. With that being said, our level of comfort with intimacy itself, true intimacy, actually determines the quality of our lives. Our relationship to intimacy determines our access to real love, either by opening us up or closing us off, leaving us feeling dry alone and unsatisfied. At the same time, life experience often provokes us to develop self-protection, which thwarts intimacy. We may block the very thing we crave in order to protect ourselves from the threat of embarrassment, vulnerability, or judgment. Intimacy issues are any habit, pattern, behavior, or energy that stands in the way of our ability to let another fully see, experience, and love us. Intimacy issues block connection. They prevent union. We long for relationships where we don't have to lie about who we are or what we feel or fear of being less or poor in the eyes of others. In this episode of Keep 100, we will have a crucial conversation on holy passions, divine intimacy, and bridal affections. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey everyone, welcome to Keep It 100. We are excited to be with the Keep It 100 tribe this week. Hey, how you feeling gang? Good to be here with you guys. We're really excited about this episode, but we want to jump into some ministry updates. This last couple weeks, we were in several different places that we are just super excited to share with you. We were in Cornerstone AG, which is in Bowie, Maryland. We also got a chance to drive through Capitol. We saw yeah. the Washington Mon- Monument. We in saw Lincoln Capitol Memorial, Hill. Capitol Hill. Went to Annapolis. It was amazing. Naval. It was so fun. And that was unexpected. It just happened to be the way Waze took us to get to our location, our church. And it was just a really fun surprise. All of a sudden we're driving and we're like literally we're driving through downtown DC. So we just like start praying for the nation. It was like really cool. And then of course being tourists at the same time while praying, taking pictures, videos. It was awesome. A couple selfies. Totally. And we had a powerful time in the ministry. There was a men's conference that Sean, you spoke at. Tell us about that. Uh, it was powerful. These men hit the altar, you guys. They were weeping. Usually women begin women's conferences because we get a chance to do those and they're at the altar worshiping and weeping on the first note of the opening session. Guys finish their conference the way women begin their conference. But this group of guys, after the first service session, they were at the altar weeping. We had men baptized in the Holy Ghost. We had a number of men get right with God. We had men that literally got free in the area of forgiveness and that deliverance. That that was a really special time. And it was awesome to have three sessions with these guys. And it, it was it was just awesome. A hundred of men just surrendered, gave their self to God in a, in a fresh way. It really was so powerful. And then I got the privilege, first time speaking a Sunday morning at that church, I've done a couple women's conferences, but I did a singles breakfast uh, with a bunch of singles who was, many of them had read my book. And this was one of the first churches when I released my book, Singled Out in a Couple's World. They actually started a small group, which is incredible. So they had a small group built around that. So there's really been like a connection uh, with my journey and many women in that church. So I was really honored to spend time with them on Saturday morning. So enjoyed my time just answering questions kind of being a bit of a uh, singles coach for so many of those women. And then I spoke on Sunday morning and I tell you what, uh, both services were incredible, but especially first service, it was so special what God did. I mean, the presence of God was so weighty and it was just an unusual service. That's the only way I can say it. We are seeing that over and over though. That's what's so powerful. I feel like we are seeing a different expression of God in the church today. We're seeing a different hunger and therefore it's a, it's opening up an encounter 
counter realm when we gather in the church that is different than what we've seen before. That is so true. And then right after that, we went to even louder, an incredible conference with the mighty general Patricia King. Yeah. There were many of our great friends that were also, they were so good to be oh, there. They're Kristen, amazing. you spoke a session, was super powerful. I got a chance to speak a session. Yeah. And she just kind of gathered together kind of some of the younger uh, kind of uh, powerful prophetic voices and revivalists and people that believe in signs and wonders. And uh, they even had this old guy, me there and all the rest of the you you young it. people. And You're it, young it was, and thriving, baby. It was, it was fun to be there with them. And Patricia is amazing. We oh, sure love her. It was really an honor because I just felt like I was with generals in the faith. And although uh, it might be like the younger version of it, I feel like it's that it's that next generation of revivalists that God is raising up for this hour and for this time. And we've been friends with many of them for years, but we often don't get to minister with them. And so when we are ministering alongside one another, there really is a convergence of the anointing that happens in the room that is unique. And so it, it was just a divine outpouring. I mean, I believe we are in a time where the glory of the Lord is going to fill the room, where the presence of God in an intangible way that truly makes us speechless. We don't even know how to respond. We get quiet. There's like a holy hush in the room. I really believe that's going to become more and more normal as the presence of God increases while we're together. We saw that at Even Louder. We just saw a greater expression of the presence of God and just being able to glean with what other people believe God is saying in this hour really was incredible. But above all of the ministry, as much as I love that and it's amazing, my favorite thing that we did recently, drum roll please, was Sean and I just celebrated seven years of incredible marriage. And what's crazy is the fact it's been seven years. It's it, true. It feels like it's been about three or four years we've been married on a honeymoon freshness side of it. But then it feels like we've been married for 25 years because it feels like there's such a depth in, in our marriage, which I'm just so grateful for that. So it feels fresh, but it feels so deep. Um, but seven years, baby, can I just take a moment on the Keep It 100 podcast and just tell you how much I love you and I love being your wife and you're like the best husband ever and you're incredibly kind and being able to be married to you is like the best gift ever. Oh. And so celebrating seven years of doing life with you is a joy. Boo. So thanks for just loving me really, really well. Absolutely. Boo. You know, I love you and man, my goodness, you are proof that God really loves me and it's been amazing. I agree with everything you said. You're a phenomenal person. You're you're truly just a, a soul that's timeless and precious. And we got a chance to go to Napa, y'all. And yeah. so we went and hung out over there. We are not wine bibbers uh, <laughs> ourselves. Not. So that that wasn't not the draw to us, but it's just beautiful countryside beautiful. to be able to ride bikes, yeah. eat at some good restaurants, hang out, take in the vibe. It was really special. It was. And we needed, we needed a little bit of a getaway. Downtime. Yep. It was amazing. Just getting that time with you is great. Yes. And then also in this time, we also had a film day. Yeah, right? that's right. Had, yes. We had some guys we flew in. They were uh, great. From the Dallas area. They're amazing. Loved them. Uh, and so we filmed a bunch of stuff. So get ready. We're going to have a whole bunch of new content. And why did we film? Tell we us. We filmed. I was going to tell <laughs> We filmed because January 19th, 20th, and 21st of 2023, we're going to have a conference. which really is not a conference. It's really an outpouring. It's really a strategic gathering. It's really a marking. Uh, it is a, 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 man, we're just, we're believing that God is just going to throw open the heavens and pour yes. out something over all that would attend. But we call it momentum. We need a move. Uh, it's a conference, not a conference, but we're going to be doing this in the Bay Area of Northern California. Uh, we're going to have Tommy Ariomi, uh, incredible prophetic minister from the UK and Nigeria. We're going to have Emma Stark. She's a prophetess and heads up the prophet, the prophetic movement in the UK. She is from Scotland. Uh, we're going to have Dr. Sammy Rodriguez. Many of you know him, good longtime friend. All, all these people are our friends. We're going to have Matt Gilman. Oh my goodness. Lead worship. He led worship 
worship for years at IHOP in Kansas City and uh, has been a part of many stadium events. We're going to have Deidre Greathouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, she leads worship at a phenomenally large church in the Houston area. Maybe some of you heard of this church, Lakewood. She is also the founder of the gospel group Anointed. I just recently found that out, so I'm kind of fanboying a little bit. Deidre's become a good friend of ours. She's going to be there. And of course, we're going to have Krista Smith speaking. I'm going to be speaking. <laughs> Let me just say, you need to mark it on your calendars. You can go even right now to www.seanandkristasmith.com and register. We do have limited seating, so I do want to let you know on this one, there's limited seating. It's going to sell out because this is, uh, we really believe, not just a city or regional. Uh, we believe it's uh, now an international conference, so we're going to have people coming from all over. I'm so excited. Everything that Sean just said, get ready, you guys. Momentum is going to be such a powerful time. So again, if you haven't got your tickets, get them because we have limited seating. But I tell you what, get in the room because God's about to do something. All right, let's dive into this week's podcast episode. Let's dive in. I just want to first hit a couple of cultural things I yeah. thought has cropped up the last couple of weeks. Uh, you guys listen, you know, I, I kind of love comic books and I love superhero movies and there's a bunch of them that are coming out and I'm not necessarily condoning every single thing that's now beginning to emerge in superhero movies, but just the concept of it. I just love it. But a, a, an actor that plays the Flash in the movies for, uh, of course, there's MCU and there's DCU. Uh, and in DCU, there's a character called Flash and there's an actor called Ezra Miller. And uh, he has acted in some shows and obviously he's kind of become box office actor now. He recently has been charged with burglary charges. And in fact, uh, they have been literally, he faces a felony charge of breaking into a home in the U.S. state of Vermont and stealing alcohol. So here's a guy, multimillionaire, major movie coming out, Flash. You've been in the Justice League and have made appearances in other movies. And according to what has been reported right now, this guy breaks into a neighbor's home without their permission while they were gone and steals bottles of alcohol. And they say this burglary charge carries a maximum of 25 years in prison. Now we can all make mistakes, but I'm just saying, okay, if you're a multimillionaire, you don't really need to break into somebody's house. DoorDash, to Instacart, get you, to like get what, what's happening? Alcohol, man. Yeah. It's obvious that there's some other things going on <laughs> in his life, which he probably needs our prayer. But I just think, I remember growing up in, as a kid in the hood and I just always remember, man, money would be the answer to so many of my problems, man. I mean, as a kid, you know, I can't throw too many stones as a kid before I knew the Lord. I was still in popsicles from Tony's Liquors, right? Because I wanted some popsicles, but I have any money and I'm turning in aluminum cans. And I remember thinking that money would be the answer, boom. But isn't it funny? You can have all that money, all that acclaim, and yet you still breaking into, you know, you're doing the proverbial, I'm going down to Tony's Liquors and I'm going to steal a popsicle. And it, it really is crazy. You definitely know with this scenario, there's got to be way more to the story. You're like, was there an animosity between him and the neighbor? Like, was this something like they got frustrated? He got frustrated with this neighbor. So he's like, I'm going to teach him a lesson. I mean, you you just wonder what's the rest of it. But you're right. The core principle is why are you going into someone's house? You're breaking and entering. Okay. Number one, it's against the law. But for alcohol, it's like so bizarro. And you just wonder because you're so right. I think we view in our world more money is going to, your life's going to be simpler. But we often see people with more fame, more money, more problems. And hey, if come they on, Biggie. Shout out right? to Biggie. More money, right. more problems. Hey, there we go. I, I just feel like if you don't have your inner self healed, healthy, and whole, actually, if you have greater access to fame or money or different things, it actually just accentuates the issues. So it, it just puts them on full display is what it does, because then you can indulge more. Then you have access to more, maybe whatever you want. And that deviant behavior can't really stay underneath the surface uh, because there's been an indulgence that's happened. So it's just interesting that when you see things like that, you're just kind of like you scratch your head a bit because you're like, what the heck is going on? Right. But talk about 
scratching your head. Here's something that I learned recently. Um, my sister was telling me about this new t- uh, term. It's kind of an internet phenomenon and it's called review bombing. So a review bomb. Now, let me tell you what that is. A review bomb is when um, a large number of people or even a few people, but people that have multiple accounts uh, post negative user reviews online in an attempt to harm the sales or the popularity of something, right? So so it's interesting because Amazon Prime just released a new series that's based off of the Lord of the Rings. And J.R. Tolkien is the author of these stories. And we all know Lord of the Rings or most people do. And there's a very diehard cult following for Lord of the Rings. So they viewed this as basically uh, disloyal to Tolkien's work. So Amazon actually had to stop allowing and banned all the comments and reviews because they felt like they were getting review bombed, which is in, which in the review bomb world, it's an inaccurate uh, representation of the work. It doesn't give the work a fair chance to be received by the public because a lot of the people haven't even seen the work. A lot of people haven't even seen the series. They're going off of kind of the leaders or that loudest voice of the critic and they're taking on their offense. They're taking off their conclusion and they're saying, hey, you know, that's, you know, that's my conclusion. So there's all these people that basically kind of mob, you know, in a sense, if you want to call it like a flash mob review bomb, a concept. But isn't that so interesting? It's this new thing that's just happening. Of course, they have to create a new term for it. It's crazy, right? And then I guess I understand now that it's come out and people have seen it, the the actual reviews are actually pretty good. People are enjoying it going, hey, not bad or whatever. Exactly. And I was just thinking about this concept of review bomb. And I think, you know what? I think that is universal. I think people review bomb and it's kind of like in war, you do this thing and it's called a preemptive strike. In other words, you try to strike a base of an enemy before they have the ability to launch. And it's almost like, I feel like people review bomb God. People review bomb the Bible. (laughs) You haven't even met God. You haven't developed intimacy with him. You haven't experienced forgiveness. You haven't read his word. You don't know or have tasted of his goodness, but you out there trying to tell people God is bad. God is this. God is that. And I just think that we're living in a world where people want to quickly formulate opinions and they just don't want to do the homework. That's lazy, right? Like, and, And in the kingdom, it just isn't intellectually integrous to attack something you haven't looked into. And so we see review bomb all over the place. It's just, it's just a very interesting concept. I love that. That's a great application because it's so true. So many people, because they haven't developed that personal relationship with Jesus, but they go off of other people's experience with religion, but actually not Jesus, other people's misinterpretation of the word of God. And they view it as this kind of misconstrued version, but they haven't even experienced Jesus himself. I love that because this week that applies perfectly. We're talking about, we've titled this week's podcast episode, Holy Passions, but we're going to dive into that concept and that principle of holy passions by talking about intimacy and divine intimacy 101 is really understanding there are some key principles that we want to talk about, about how to cultivate divine intimacy in your life, because we don't want you to read the review bombs of God, but never really take the time to get to know him yourself, because you actually have to cultivate that intimacy between you and him in order to actually know you and God's relationship, right? You know, I think in order to cultivate divine intimacy in our life, one thing we really have to allow to become a truth, and this is not just a concept, but this has to become revelation revelation in our life is really understanding the principle and the word makes it so clear. We are never alone. The word of God says that the Lord will never leave you and he will never forsake you, which means he'll never turn his back on you. He's always with you. You're never alone in the good, in the hard, in the trying, in the mountaintop, in the valley. You're never alone, you know, but we have to understand in order to experience God and cultivate intimacy and for that truth to become true that we're never alone, we have to understand it comes with this promise of peace. Isn't 
that cool? That the assurance that we're not alone comes with the promise of peace. And it means that we're courageous and we're capable of overcoming no matter the circumstances because God is with us. Here's a powerful quote. Loneliness is an impossibility when you discover a God who said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And Jesus says, it is your advantage that I go away. So those two things can feel a bit contradicting, right? John 16, 7. But he left that relationship would lead to us even being closer with the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to leave in order for the Holy Spirit to come in. So although Jesus left, that doesn't mean he left us alone. He sent the comforter who is the Holy Spirit to be in us and dwell within us. So what I love about Jesus is although he went away and we have relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And it's that reassurance that brings the courage that we're able to conquer and overcome all things because God is with us, right? I I find that so encouraging. Once we get intimate with Jesus, we then understand we're not lonely and we never lack for understanding or compassion. You and I can continually pour out our hearts to Jesus without being perceived even as overly emotional because we recognize he's in us. He already knows us. He's intimate with us. Therefore, he wants that constant communication with us. You know, one of God's names is Jehovah Shema. That name means God is always there. I find so much comfort in that, that one of God's names is he'll always be there. You know, some people today, you might be listening, you're a part of the Keeper 100 tribe or you're tuning in for the first time. You're like, Krista, that's a cool concept. I'm not alone, but I actually really battle loneliness and I battle in this area. And I want you to understand that these concepts and principles and these truth of God's word actually are received by the activation of our faith, where our faith actually rises above our emotions and we stand on truth. I'm not making emotions negative, but I am saying your emotions have to surrender to the presence of God. And when you actually go to a higher place in your spirit and you allow your spirit to connect with the Holy Spirit that's dwelling within you and you understand his truth becomes revelation, that's when you know kingdom realities are accessed by faith. So you have to take his word at face value and then it becomes your reality. So I think that's an important understanding for someone that is walking out the truth and maybe for the first time, the revelation that you're not alone. And so I have a question for some of you that are listening today. Do you feel God is disappointed or even mad at you? If you do, then you will live under a cloud of isolation in a self-imposed cone of silence. And then you will feel alone and you will feel disconnected, even though you're actually not. And again, we have to understand that you were created for a longing in a relationship with the father because he loves you so much and he created you for relationship. He created you for intimacy. He did not create you for isolation. And so if you're experiencing that today, even while you're listening to Keep One Hour podcast, I want you to take a moment, put the podcast on pause, and I want you to invite Jesus into your circumstances. I want you to invite Jesus into your situation. And then I want you to give your emotions to Jesus. I want I want you to begin to invite Jesus to a place where you've previously been holding on to, but by you holding on to it has created isolation. See, his truth of love will gradually set you free from all fear, guilt, shame, and any reproach that you feel from your past and cause you to realize your heavenly father who is with you always. His word, and remember, I'm going to say this statement again. His word says he will never leave you or forsake you. Friends, that means he is with you. You know, that's such a great point. I was reminded right when I gave my life to the Lord, I came out of a, a relationship that was unhealthy and uh, I was feeling the sting of not being in that relationship. And I remember just getting along with God, which I think was key because prior to Jesus, BC, I would have went back out to the club or went someplace else. I just got along with God. And I was honest. I said, God, I, I, I just, you do so many things. You 
you've done so many things for me. I just I just wish you gave hugs. And sometimes, you know, you see somebody, you go, they just need a hug. I love and so that. I'm sitting there, I go, God, I just wish you could give hug because I'm, I'm thinking of God as this body out there that's mystical, distant, and per se, you know, I know he was interacting in my life. I didn't think of him. And all of a sudden, I felt this warm embrace. I just started weeping. I'll never forget this. I started weeping. I said, God, you do give hugs. You do give hugs. And so, hey, just tell the Lord, like, hey, I want to experience your embrace. And when you get a God hug, let me tell you what, you, you are not susceptible to being needy in a way that would uh, compromise who God's created you to be. Okay, divine intimacy 101, a second point in principle is that God is interested in me. You have to believe that. If other people, like sometimes we can think people aren't interested in me because I'm not getting as many likes. I'm not getting talked about as much. People don't chime in and retweet my tweets as much. I'm not getting as many TikTok views. Let me tell you what, the most important person in all of creation, beyond creation, because he created you, uh, in all of the world and all of the universe and all of eternity is God. The first key to experiencing intimacy really with God is believing that he's interested in you. God knows you. He wants to be close to you. Uh, Not only this, but God knows why you're here. We talked in previous podcasts about purpose, what we're here and what we're created to do. He's invested in you. He's helping you make the impact you were meant to have. Your creator wants to have an intimate relationship with you. That was something that when I discovered that, that helped me uh, so much because I thought kind of, I I need to know God and what do I need to do to know God? And maybe I was throwing a book, a Bible. No, 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 no. So much more than that. The most important thing that you should know about your creator is that he loves you. God loves you. He sent his only son. Because he loves you, it is already in his heart's desire to have intimate relationship with you. You got to understand that God was so lovesick for you that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. That Jesus was the one that gave his all to purchase the pearl of great price, which is you. He rejoices. The Bible says he rejoices over you with love. And the fact that God is lovesick for you, it defines your identity and your greatness. Your greatness, hear me? Your greatness is undergirded by the fact that God is lovesick for you. He has set his affections on you. Think about it. The creator of the universe likes you. Doesn't just love you. You know how you love folks, but you don't really like them. Usually your family members. Oh yeah, yeah. I love my brother. I love my mother. I love my uncle. I don't really like them. The creator of the universe not only loves you, he likes you now forevermore. You are worthy of God's highest. You're worthy of his everything. You're a supreme object of affection. Come on, Pearl of Great Price. Do you realize how powerful it is? And when you do, in that moment, you recognize God is interested in you. And it really is divine intimacy 101A. You know, I I really love that because I think, you know, we're talking about principles we've learned in our life today of how to cultivate divine intimacy. And I think when you really understand these are things that are partnering with God, these are things that are pursuing God. And as we pursue God, we're developing and deepening that intimacy. And something in addition to kind of adding to this conversation of divine intimacy in our lives is really understanding that you can be completely truthful with God. I think that's been something that's been really important and key to unlocking intimacy with me and the Lord. And I really learned that by reading Psalms. Uh, David is such a picture of that, you know, and I think for me, and I'll break that down in just a moment, but I think when we really understand that God can handle our honesty, God can handle where we're at, he can handle your feelings, he can handle uh, what's going on. And that honesty uh, really cultivates that intimacy. You know, us understanding first and foremost, God's unfailing love actually allows us to walk in truth. Deceit and denial, as we know, are roadblocks to experiencing intimacy. We'll be motivated to be honest with God, even when the truth exposes sin and painful emotions, because we can be confident that we're going to still be loved by him. When we have that confidence no matter what. And I think that's why David was able to be super, super honest with God, because he knew like even in his sin, even in his shortcomings, even in his junk, it's like God's love doesn't change from your worst day to your best day. Like 
that's God's true. love is constant. And when you understand that, it really deepens an intimacy because you realize you're safe with God. Like God has you and you're 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 safe with him. You know, and deep honesty for me begins when I'm being honest about the thoughts and attitudes that I have in my heart about situations. Um, even when I've had a hard time with God, you know, when I have felt like, Lord, I'm confused by this, and the confusion is it's 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 kind of playing with my mind a little bit. God, can you help me see your perspective? Because I I always know that my perception is a lower place than God's perception. So I I always want God to take me to a higher place. And so I can be honest about my, you know, shortcomings or where I'm or where I'm not understanding stuff and knowing God is going to encounter me. You know, talking about David, I think how often how deeply David was hurting, you know, almost constantly when you're reading through Psalms, it seems like at least our perception of him, right? In varying degrees through a lot of different types of circumstances. And, you know, sometimes it was because his enemies were in fast pursuit and, you know, break going after him to like kill him, you know, other times um, his hurt was from the rage of guilt and misery of conscience hounding him because of sins and choices he had made. And his hurting at other times was the result of betrayals from either a son, a trusted soldier, or a friend or betrayal from his own heart. And that, you know, we all know when you betray yourself, you feel like you betrayed God. That's the deepest place of sorrow. At the heart of his hurts, one thing set David apart from most of us was the fact he was remarkable in his response to the hurts in his life. And I think this is what's really, really key is how you respond in pain, in betrayal, in her, in the confusion. You know, it was remarkable how much David would become transparent before God and specifically telling the Lord what he was feeling, what he was thinking. David didn't hold it inside. He didn't let it boil under the surface only to explode later. He didn't generally let it fester and build like an infected boil that had to be lanced. He brought it to God. I think that's such a good point. I just want to add in that I love the fact you said he didn't bottle it up on the inside. And you know, the Psalms really are, keep on under tribe, expressions of this in particular. David expressed many times just how he was hurting. You know, it's always amazing to read each Psalm in search of what David exactly said and what he meant to God. Uh, I hear some examples I found, you know, in, in Psalms 3, he says, I have many enemies. How many of us are honest enough to say, God, I got I got haters, Lord, I got enemies. I got people that are clapping back on me. In, in Psalms 3, 4, he says, I cried aloud. In Psalms 4, 1, he says, I was in distress. Psalms 5, 1, he said, consider my groanings. Psalm 6, 2, and uh, both of them, he says, I am languishing and my bones are troubled, right? This is honest. He's talking about he's troubled. He's talking about in Psalm 6, 6, I'm weary for my groaning. He talked about he flooded his bed with tears. Uh, he said in, in chapter 9, verse 13, see my affliction, sorrows in my heart. And that's just through kind of 13 Psalms there. And just notice the honesty of this man of God. And I think that's our challenge in this generation is that sometimes I think we will pray to God and we'll kind of bring God our highlight reel. But because people in the natural and people in our lives, when we open up and we're vulnerable to them, they'll many, many times use that against us and it will present a distance because they feel awkward. They don't know how to broach it or whatever. They'll look at us differently. And so we feel like we have to put our best foot forward. But with God, you're never going to get to that place of intimacy if you can't be honest with God and just tell him the truth. And I think that is such a key thing. All right, keep it 100 Tribe, Hundo Peace segment where questions are presented and we do our best to give you our answer. Question number one, why is intimacy so important in the kingdom of God? Oh, such a good question. It really is the foundation of our relationship with Jesus. It's impossible to live the Christian life without having a heart awakened by God's love. You know, rules and boundaries and regulations, although when healthy can protect and guard us, right, they can provide wisdom and keep us on the right path and that's good, but they'll never ignite your heart with a burning desire. Facts. Zeal, willpower, enthusiasm, they're beneficial. They sure help. But again, they will not 
not be able to sustain your soul long term. Only the maker can do that. And you and I can't settle for dry, shallow view of Christianity Come in our on. life and just know of God. We must be willing to go deeper into relationship with God to actually know God intimately. And this is the essence of the type of Christianity that with the relationship with Jesus that's emphasized in the in the word of God, that's emphasized in what the Lord teaches us about relationship with him. And this is what the Bible promotes as genuine Christianity and a sign of being a disciple of the Lord. I love that because essentially you're saying the intimacy is so important because we're being called to a relationship, not rules and regulations. You that's got so it. good. Next question. What are these bridal affections and passions that I keep hearing about? That is a great question because I have heard about that. I've seen ministers and ministries raised up. I first heard that term years ago from Mike Bickle and there were others, but I think here's the best way I can kind of break it down. When you encounter a bridegroom God, right? You read Song of Solomon, it describes the father God as the bridegroom and we are the bride. When you encounter bridegroom God, your emotional makeup begins to change. And what happens is the fire of his love reshapes your soul and negative emotions like guilt, shame, and reproach. They begin to lose their grip over you. Because the bottom line is we can never love God any more than we realize that he loves us. And what the creator does, he sings this song of freedom over us and replaces your spiritual dullness with a confidence in his love. And I, I, I walk around, I talk to a lot of believers. You could tell that the real root of their difficulty is that they're not confident in God's love for them. You just got to say, God loves me. You just maybe need to walk through the day to day and just repeat in your head, God really loves me. I mean, really loves you. And, and he fully sees you and he fully loves you. That's amazing. This doctrine of the bride of Christ, it goes beyond gender. I think a lot of times as a dude, we think a bride. I don't think of a bride, right? I don't identify with that. That's how we think because we're thinking of gender. But just like when we say that we're sons of the most high God, that all of creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of, of God. Females, you're sons of God. Obviously, you're a daughter. We know that. But th think of it beyond gender. When you think of the doctrine of the bride of Christ, it's beyond gender. And you see this throughout scriptures. The concept is used to highlight the following truth. We are God's beloved. We have intimate access to his heart. And out of all of the created order, everything that God created, angels included, we're the only ones invited to know the Lord intimately, to be loved by him and have the pleasure of loving him in return. Plus, I believe the day that you encounter the romance of the gospel, I heard one great refer to that term, and I love that term, the romance. Once you encounter the romance of the gospel and the fire of God's love awakening your heart, really no more explanation would be needed. And what happens here is the downside. People that are unaware of divine affections, even believers, the wounded person represses the storm on the inside and plays the game of life, looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. Come on, an old line, looking for love in too many faces, that old country song, right? What happens is you call the wrong places home, but they're not home. You should find, you should not find, you should find your, your refuge in God, not find your refuge with inferior lovers. And make no mistake, your affections will burn for something or someone. Your heart is not neutral. You, you're going to have to put it in drive. You're going to engage it, put it in gear. You must experience life at any cost. You were built this way and you will because you carry these powerful passions within you. And they're like mighty rivers of longing. And, and you know what, gang, they're not going to relent in their search for an outlet. So you have this inside of you. So you have to go on to develop it. You don't develop uh, uh, intimacy with God. You'll have inferior intimates and people that maybe aren't worthy of that. And you'll be hurt by it. And you'll go from stumbling from one relationship to the next, to the next, being hurt by this one, asking yourself, why do you keep putting yourself in this position? But what it is, is you're dealing with intense soul affections and, and you feel at the same time, many different things are trying to woo for your heart. And this tension feels at times like a harassment. And if you're not careful, you can become literally vulnerable 
vulnerable to other people's whims. But sooner or later, you're going to discover you are and I am profoundly thirsty within. We're made with this burning heart, a heart that must experience life to the fullness, which Jesus gives joy that's part of the kingdom and a pleasure, which heavenly pleasures are the best. And as you do this, you're going to begin to see that this is what bridal affections and passions that are now beginning to resurge because I believe God is breathing on this. Next question. How do I grow in passion for Jesus and bridal affections? I love this. I love this question because, you know, I really think you'll grow lovesick by beholding the glory of the one who's lovesick for you. And the more you feel the flame of God's love, the more you will love him in return. And the more you behold the beauty of Jesus and come to understand why he's actually beautiful, the more passionate for him you will become. You have to first experience Jesus's passion for you. Do you want more dedication for God? Do you want to live more fully for him, walk in a deeper place with him, encounter Jesus at the cross? And that's where you'll discover how dedicated he is towards you. Do you want to enjoy God? Discover then how he enjoys you. I think that really that back and forth and understanding God's heart for you really develops your heart for him. That is such a great response. And I would add to that, one of the ways that I grew in passion for Jesus as I was developing it uh, as, as a disciple and follower of Christ and still do, is that developing a passion for Jesus includes reflecting upon his teachings and his deeds. So I read the gospels, you know, I'm, as I'm reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I just read about Jesus and the wonderful things he did and the amazing things he said. And, and even the way he handled himself in difficult situations, I actually want to know that Jesus more deeply. Sometimes you see uh, a, a North American distorted version of Jesus or someone's mutated knockoff Jesus. You see, you know, I kind of call it that, that you see the Build-A-Bear Jesus rather than the Book of Acts Jesus. Uh, but when you see the Jesus of the gospel, it's hard to not be passionate about a man, the God-man Christ Jesus, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. When I see his kindness, when I see his patience, when I see the way he loved on the woman caught in adultery and, and removed the people that would condemn her, when I when I saw him go out of his way to heal blind Bartimaeus, go to the house of Zacchaeus, uh, the way he walked up to the woman at the well and transformed her life. When I see that, I want to know that Jesus. And so your time in God's word will help you love its author more and more. That was so good, baby. You know, this is such a great question that we're talking about. You know, how do I grow in passion for Jesus and bridal affections? You know, I think I would add to that really to eliminate the competition for Jesus in your life. You know, the word says in Matthew 6, 24, that no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We know that, right? But we understand that Jesus says you can't serve two masters, which means we can't be a hundred percent dedicated to more than one thing. Either our hearts are all in on Jesus or our hearts are all in on something else. We can love Jesus with our whole hearts and love other things too, but those things should never be in competition. And that's what's really the key with our love for the Lord. Jesus should always come first. Everything else is secondary to our first love with Jesus. But because we live in a fallen wor world, sin and its lures will always try to captivate our attention and passion. Romans 7, verse 7, 8 and 1, 1 Peter 5 and 8, you know, they talk about this to keep your other passions and deep interests in check, never allowing them to become idols that steal away time and energy that's actually supposed to be given to Jesus. That's why it's important to take time consistently to keep, you know, really developing our relationship with the Lord in ways that we've talked about previously. Yeah. You know what that is? These are some truths, Keep It 100 Tribe, that I really believe have changed us. I really believe it'll change you. And I was thinking too, as you were saying that, that you just got to refuse to settle for passionless Christianity. You know, passion for God ought to be the norm for someone who's experienced uh, Jesus in, in his totality. The born again experience 
experience does not introduce us to religion. Jesus didn't get up out the tomb on the third day for religion. We had religion before he took to the cross and got up out of the tomb. It essentially baptizes you in a relationship with God that is filled with passion. You've entered a world. The Bible says God is love. It didn't say God is rules. It didn't say God is frustrated. It says God is love. And I discovered that in the kingdom of God, fiery, passionate love for God is the norm. And we want to have, we shouldn't settle for anything less than a heart set ablaze. At the end of the day, I want to stand before God. I want to set before God a heart that is white hot with passion, burning, that when you visited me, you saved me, you lit a blaze in my heart. And God, after all these years, after all the disappointments, after all the victories and all the warfare, I'm still presenting you a heart that's white hot ablaze, even more on fire than when you lit it the first time. Anything less is settling for an inferior kingdom lifestyle. Because having a heart that is alive and burning with passion for Jesus, it's part of your inheritance in Christ. And having a bride that's passionate in love is part of Jesus' glorious inheritance in you. And I feel like there's a bliss of feeling this intense passion for God on the inside of you. I remember an old worship song says, come and burn within every part of me. And this is my desire. There's literally no higher pleasure than you giving God your best. I used to always tell my kids, come on now, give Jesus your best. Give it your best. Sometimes they'd be singing a song and they would take a worship song and they would twink with it and make it goofy. And I let them be kids, but I said, I'd always love them to say, come on, give Jesus your best. That's what you want to do when you're in love, when you're delighting in him. And the ecstasy is available to every believer of what we're referring to. In fact, God's plan is that every one of his children would experience the joy of sharing in his passion. That's so well said, baby. I, just, I love how you just kind of wrapped up that thought. You know, it's just such a powerful conversation we're having this week about into, intimacy. Keep it 100 Tribe, we're going to jump into the Keep it 100 Takeaways. And this week we have for you three principles of intimacy. The first takeaway this week is the principle of separation. We have to understand there is no intimacy without separation in the place of prayer. You cannot separate intense prayer from fellowshipping with God. If you don't know how to pray all by yourself, then you can never enter the realm of intimacy because prayer is the very pathway that will actually lead you into the realm of intimacy. This prayer is not the general prayer that you and I do in church or, you know, that we're led to corporately, but this is something that you and I, and we all need to be cultivating in our quiet time every single day with Jesus by spending time alone with God. That is profound. That's right. You guys underscore is boom. My wife was saying the principle of separation. Number two, the second principle of intimacy is the principle of time. Time. How many of you know time rules our lives? Everything is by the clock. And this is from a self-admitted clock person. My wife would tell you, I got clocks in every room. I got multiple clocks. Every room. I got <laughs> Apple Watch. I got my phone. I'm always looking at time. Yep. But time really is an essential tool to build intimate, satisfying relationships. No one rushes to trust someone you just met. And if you do, there'll be people who are going to take advantage of you left and right. Because if you rush to trust someone you just met or you don't know that well, you're going to run into trouble. Your quest of intimacy, it needs time to build. You know, there's no need to rush. Don't rush your quiet time. Don't rush your word time. Don't rush your worship. Don't rush your time talking to the Lord, spending time with God. You know, when you hear about people talk about how God communicates to them, because there's always been a fascination of mine of how do people hear the voice of God? How are people led by the Spirit? How does this thing of prophetic and prophecy and intimacy and friendship with God works? When I talk to people about how God communicates to them, one thing I immediately pick up on, it took time. Can I say it again? It takes time. Some of them, it even took multiple years, decades. But I find out these people are consistent in keeping their prayer and fasting schedule, worship times. They're consistent in seeking his face. And even though it takes a while before God shows up, they didn't give up. And this is key. Sometimes it may take a while, but if you'll wait on him, this is a principle of time, y'all. 
all. You wait, you're going to build intimacy. And if you also desire that kind of relationship with God, then be determined. You're not going to give up seeking his face, even if you don't feel like he's saying anything. You just got to understand and know you're still entertaining the presence of God, even if you don't get chill bumps, you don't get booming voices of celestial beings and see angels. If you're waiting in his presence, the Bible says that you are building intimacy. You're mounting with wings as eagles. You will run and not glory. You will walk and not faint. Understand this principle of time is crucial. Mm, that is so well said. That was so good. So good. The third and final Keep It 100 takeaway this week is the principle of communication. If there's no communication, then there will not be intimacy. Communication is the key to developing intimate relationship with the Lord. Everyone that is at a friend in our life today was at one time or another an unknown person to you, but it's, you started being friends with them by building a relationship through constant communication. That's how relationships are built, built through communication. So we have to understand that your prayer life and the content of your prayers determine who God is to you. To some, he's the creator of the world. To others, he can be the savior or someone they run into when they're in need. But to a few people who will actually go the extra mile, it, you know, intentionally pursue intimacy with the Lord, they're going to experience a different dimension of God. They'll actually see God as father and God as friends. Keep it 100 Tribe, we want you to really be provoked by this week's episode to really cultivate intimacy in your life in a world that is vying for your affection, your attention, your time. I really cannot emphasize enough to you, Sean and I are just such believers and the only thing that is ever going to truly satisfy is Jesus. I think so many of us feel alone. We feel forgotten. We're battling different things, but understand the truth of we're not alone. Jesus is in us, with us, and working through us, and that we have a full access 24 hours a day, seven days a week to connect with our Savior, our friend, our Father. His name is Jesus. He loves you. He's pursuing you. Will you take some extra time this week? Will you just cultivate that intimacy? Will you go after that deep place with God rather than just, you know, knock off the things on your to-do list or live from a place of having to get all the things done? Trust me, I'm preaching to myself a bit, right? You know, we all we all have things pulling on us. But friends, can you just slow down for a moment? Can you stop and can you just connect with Jesus? Friends, there's nothing greater than our relationship with Jesus. Let's give it the space and the time it needs to be cultivated. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep 100 Tribe, you do not want to miss next episode. We're going to continue this conversation on Holy Passions Part 2. We have a special surprise. We're going to be interviewing Brian Guerin of Bridal Glory and the Ascend Academy. If there was one guy that I could pull on here to speak to you whose life message is about intimacy, passion with Jesus, and bridal affections, it is Brian. You do not want to miss this next episode. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it